Now everyone's making it in film and TV, but we don't really know how. Here we uncover the truth. Welcome to the Your Cinema Podcast. Welcome to the Your Cinema Podcast this week, where we explore the truth about film, TV, theatre, and hear it directly from those who are smashing it in their areas. This week, we've got an award-winning filmmaker, youth coach, campaigner, activist. Um, he's the CEO of Aviad Inspires. He's been featured on BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Guardian, Bloomberg, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's an all-round great guy, inspiration, very supportive individual. I know, you know, he's helped help myself um, just with some, some other things outside of this. I introduce to you guys and present to others, Armani Simpson. What's going on, bro? Thank you, my brother. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm super happy to have you have you on the pod this week. Um, I'm gonna go straight in, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what's what's amazing about you and your story and your journey, right, is your success has been phenomenal. You know, like when people plan and they're so excited about a new project <laughs> or something they're going to do. And they're like, yeah, cool. I'm going to put this out. It's going to get a million views. And then I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go there. And they're like, okay, maybe you haven't really thought about this. But your story is literally been that, um, that ideal plan, right? And I wanted to know, like, what, what, what's, how has the past four years been for you? Mm, that's a great question, bro. How have they been? Um, it's been mind blowing, man. It's been mind blowing. It's been um, very humbling, very revealing as well. Um, you know, it's taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me a lot about my trauma and how I deal with things and and what I want to do in the world and you know why I was essentially chosen to to to, to do this work. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a journey, man. It's been a journey. I'm I'm, I'm I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. In my, in my, my, yeah, just, just, I could sit here, I could probably do a whole podcast about the blessings that I've had over the last few years, man. And, and I'm sure we'll unpack some. So, yeah. Wow. Do you know what? You have given an answer that I didn't expect, right? Um, mm-hmm. You, you almost said, part of what you said was the opposite to what, it can look like on the socials right mm-hmm. and the two words that stuck out to me you said humble you've you've been humbled and it it's been quite revealing yeah um, could you could you unpack that a little bit yeah 100 percent um with the 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 humbling i think what it what it's done is that it's number one it showed me the glory of god bro you know i'm a man of faith and mm. you know i pray hard bro pray hard man like I, I live I live by the saying pray like it's up to God and work like it's up to you and God has not let me down so I, I I put work in and 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 I just get through balls left right and center and like you know I'm a top goal scorer by God's grace you know what I'm saying I think it's humbling as well to just see how how your work is affecting other people and and not just oh yeah I liked your thing I liked it it's like actually like meeting people that are saying because of your intervention because of hearing your story because of your film because of the project that you did you've actually set my life my life on a different pathway like that is that is a different 
feeling. Like we did a, I do a project with Goldman Sachs, which um, and, and Hogan Lovells and Mentivity called the Amani Project, an employability project with black teenagers in need of a second chance. And we just finished it last week. We finished the second cohort and we gave them a chance to all speak about how the project had like, you know, affected them. And it was, I was near to tears, man, because you've got these young people that are just saying that without the space that myself and my team have created, they could have been dead in jail, you know, physically at like six months before meeting us, like that's where they would have been. And we've given them a sense of hope. Like that's, it's a game changer. And then revealing, because I think also it's, taught me a lot about how I how I operate. So I was a young man that was bullied in school and I didn't have great friendships when I was growing up. I had some people around me, but I probably struggled to maintain really authentic and 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 uh, equal backwards and forwards in terms of energy friendships a lot of the time. Mm. I, I'd give a lot. And what it's done for me is with this new sense of achievement and new sense of fame or success or whatever you want to call it, it's made me reflect on whether or not it's ego that I'm doing all this for. And it's made me really do work. I've done my therapy around it. And of course, it's nice to hear people praise you when you haven't lived a life where people have praised you a lot for the stuff that you do. But then, you know, do you go into places expecting that? Or do you, you know, are you going into a place where it's now about, yeah, look at me and look at the work I'm doing or, is it like literally, as I always say, is it by God's grace that I'm here? So I, it's, it's, it's definitely revealed a lot about me. And I think probably in the earlier years, there was moments where I really struggled with being more extrovert than I naturally am. I'm more of an introvert. And so being out there and exposed and telling people your story, again, it made me just build a sense of self-awareness. So yeah, humbling and, re- and, and revealing is, is, that's what I would say, my bro. Amen. I love that so much. Wow. This is amazing. And you know what? Thanks for your vulnerability in terms of um, like revealing that because we the things that you spoke about were the internal things that you were dealing with. But when you see someone doing well and you want their success to continue and you're celebrating them and you're giving them all the adulation as as we all have, you don't realise what's going on on the inside. Um, and and like, how can you? Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, because no, no problem. And thank you for the space. Because ultimately, when you meet people, you always put your best foot forward. Yeah. You know, how are you doing? Yeah, bro, man's all right. You know, yeah, I'm trying to be like you, fam. Like all of that stuff. Like, but I always try and give space to like to to be honest and say, yeah, no, today's a bit difficult. Obviously, you can't tell everyone your business, mm-hmm. but with trusted people, um, I definitely am open to being you know to being vulnerable at least enough for you to see that today is not the best day maybe not tell you the detail and vice versa to do that for people when I meet them, because maybe I'm the kindest face they've seen today. And in that space, maybe they needed me to give them a sense of encouragement. So I just walk through life trying to serve people and obviously not letting people take you for idiot. Cause that's mm-hmm. not how we deal with the things yeah. over here, but you know, it's that service mentality um, with a little bit of, of, of street smart and you can't run rings around me type of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? A good balance. <laughs> I I love that right because there's this like what you mentioned right is is definitely part of like the social conversation around Mm -hmm. being honest and mental health where it's like oh it's it's when people when people meet each other and and they say oh yeah cool I'm doing all right but then it's like but are you but Mm. then I think 
what and I, I mentioned this on another pod with 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 someone right where it was CJ Beckford he he explained and did he had that amazing balance that you have right of not sharing like the whole thing of like ah this is what happened but also like being able to say do you know what I've had better days or 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 whichever like just that balance of being vulnerable, but yeah. not also wearing a mask, which I find amazing because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I just find it amazing. It takes, it takes, it takes practice and intentionality. And um, yeah, ultimately I have to be aware of myself and, and I have to be kind to myself in the process of being kind to other people. Cause mm-hmm. we sometimes put everyone else first and, and forget about us and being poured into. So, you know, I can't pour out into people unless I'm pouring from a full cup or a cup that is constantly being replenished. And that comes from lots of different things. But I definitely have to prioritise my mental health and my well-being because I give a lot to the world and I'm always going to give a lot. But if I don't safeguard myself and, you know, the things that I love, you know, I'll, I'll, the world will chew you up and spit you out and then, you know, say you didn't do enough and I'm not on that. So... Oh man, this is a therapy session. I love this. I love this. I love this. <laughs> um, you know, so we were speaking the other day, right? And I know like you started off in 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 property. Um mm-hmm. and what you're doing now is completely like not property, let's say. Yeah. Anyway. Um what what made you take the leap into into this side of things? Uh for it was it was the promise I made in the back of the ambulance. So when I when I got stabbed, for those that um, maybe don't know my film, uh, my story, sorry, I, I got stabbed when I was 21 and um, had a near death experience and spoke to God in the back of an ambulance and just said, like, if you give me another chance, I'm going to live for you and steer young people away from darkness. And since then, it's been made into a film, which is what you were speaking about before, a few years ago, made that with Javan Wade and um, did really well. But ultimately prior to that and leading up to that I was working in property and I was away from that promise and I was probably a bit more um insular in the way that I was I was navigating the world mm-hmm. um and then a young person walked past my office and it's, some, it's someone that I'd had some kind of interactions with because his school was around the corner so him and his boys used to come and hail us in the morning um but this day he had his hood up and I just remember seeing him out of the corner of my eye when I was on the phone to a client and something in my spirit just said go and talk to him and do you know what? Ultimately, the reason I'm here now is because of obedience, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. When whenever whenever I hear when and they say when the spirit moves, <laughs> yeah. When the spirit, when you get that little prompt, when you're conscious, or you, you know, I believe it's the Holy Spirit and God. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I get that prompt, it just moves me to do something, and I just felt moved to go and talk to him. And I just ran out to the shop and just engaged him. And and he just said he'd been expelled from sixth form. He didn't know what he was going to do. He was really disappointed in himself. And I was in a position. To, to give him work experience right and I just I didn't even think about it. it just the words came out of my mouth before I even thought about the logistics of it mm. and I just said do you want some work experience and you know have you got a suit have you got a laptop do you know anything about property and just seeing the way that he lit up at the sense that someone had given him a second chance took me back to what my original mentor fusion um did for me when I was 16 wow. and so being able to pay that forward and then spending more time around young people and volunteering and working with other organizations. Yeah. It just, it just helped me to see that this is something I want to do full time because making money for rich people is not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's not fulfilling. Like you, your, 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 um, 
you're a component of their success in the sense of like, to so you're replaceable. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not integral to what they do. I'm an estate agent. And as I was saying to you the other day, there's hundreds of thousands of estate agents. There's, there's probably about 10 on most high streets. Right. Mm. So if I don't do the job, they'll just go to somebody else. Whereas I am the only person in some cases that has given a young person a second chance or given them the attention or given them that sense of hope. That to me is a very, very big responsibility. And so to be able to live my life and do that full time and to make a, you know, a service and a business out of that um, is important because, you know, it it allows me to be sustainable and not have to constantly rely on grant funding or all of these different things. And, you know, you just have different ways of, of, of making an impact and this is just the way that I've chosen man you know what I'm saying I love that man (laughs) so you've you've you know you've had that prompting the Holy Spirit has told you you know go and speak to that that young person and Mm -hmm. through I guess continuing to follow follow those steps you've landed in this amazing opportunity and situation to create a film yeah uh, with people who were you you have a decent footprint right and the films come out. Yeah. So when Armani f- first came out, right? What was what was the impact that you mm. that you saw? Because I know you're very big on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what what's the impact that you saw? I think firstly it was a new narrative around knife crime. I think a lot of the knife crime films that had come out before that were maybe a bit more from. I don't know that I just I just think it was different. I think this was maybe it was a bit more from the, the the angle of the person that is on paper the perpetrator even though I believe everybody in the situation is most likely a victim. Mm. Um but this one was specific from my perspective as the person that had been stabbed and it was very much spoken word speaking about my pain, my 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 um sense of like you know, my lack of feeling like I'd achieved anything and, and, you know, crying out for help. And I think that related to a lot of different people at different stages in their life. I think also the fact that, you know, it's a prayer. I think sometimes people forget that it's a prayer. It's a conversation with God where I start off very angry and say, why could you, why did you let this happen? You know, and then it essentially goes to a place where it's like, no, but I believe in you. And and I think that's humanity. And I think there's lots of people like a friend of mine, Jacob Ciprio, um, who is an actor as well, gave me a quote that's at the beginning of the film. And he said, in dark times, every man half believes. And that to me is just like exactly what we wanted to to put across with the film. So I think it's hit people on different levels. Um, Filmmakers as well, I think saw it as um, uh, an example, case study of how you can make a film that could go out and not just be online, but actually go and do work in the community so lots of filmmakers reached out to me and were like hey can we can we like kind of pick your brain on how you have gone and got commissions from the council or gone into schools or done all of these things and so yeah it just it was just listen I wish I could take credit man I wish I could take credit first and foremost you know God did what he needed to do mm-hmm. um, but then also the people around it so you know your Percy's uh, your Javan Wade your Purcell Ascots your um, your Richard Catters your um, Ricardo uh, McCleary Campbell, like all of these people, the whole Little Drops, Wall of Production team, everyone else that came around it, without those people sitting there, the Million Youth Media team, without all of these people and everyone getting behind it, the film wouldn't have had the impact. 
So I'm I'm just a I'm it's my story, but I'm I'm a component of everybody's success, man. This is this is this is all for all of us, you know what I mean? I love that. I love and do you know what I love the um the the reference to the community that was a part of really putting it together um before the community and audience that received yeah. it and helped and helped propel it and you um, know what sorry even on that i forgot and everybody that crowdfunded we crowdfunded that movie a lot of people don't know that so we crowdfunded i went to churches i went to youth groups i went to corporate organizations and we said this is the vision for this film because we didn't have the money at the time to do it there was lots of other components to where we were at as a team mm. and the community got behind the vision so I can't sit here and say this is just me. Like it wasn't money out of my pocket and I'm deciding to do it. Mm. I was, I was being obedient and then I just executed on what I knew best. And the rest is up to what, you know, what God did and what the community did. So yeah, man, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we are. I love that. I love that. So when the, when the film came out, right. And Mm. you're seeing people react and people are coming up to you and, 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 and sharing how it's impacted them. Did that open your eyes to something that you didn't realise about how to reach people, especially being on this new trajectory of like, I want to be more involved? Yeah, spot on. Like, I, I didn't, bro. I'm, the, the, yeah. I went to an event to find out about social media and that's how I met Javan. I went to an event to work out how, because these guys were doing stuff with like the wall, of, they were the wall of comedy and they were doing stuff with Unilad and, and I went to this event to find out, like, how are these guys doing numbers and, like, making Facebook ads work and all of these things? I was like, I've got no idea about that. So it was a completely new world to me. And then they did Shiro's Story 1, 2, and 3, and I guess changed the way that people engaged. You know, I'd say they pioneered to a certain extent the way that people engaged with those types of stories, especially that year. That was the biggest series of that, that, that 18 months. And then off the back of that, our film came out. And so I think there was there was that kind of tailwind of, okay, cool. So this Javan guy that we've seen in Shiro's story, oh, he's playing another film. I think there was a number of people that probably were like, oh, is Shiro's story four, is it linked? <laughs> or, and I'll take, I'll take it. I always laugh. I'll take it. But then what they found was something different. And yeah, essentially it just showed me that like when we started to see those numbers, me, me and Jay, we prayed before it went out. And, and when it started to do numbers, like I think it did a hundred and something in the first day, a hundred thousand the first day, then three hundred thousand, then like six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand, and then a million, and we're just sitting there going, "Bruh, this is this is unreal." And then to you know to see it become an asset that has obviously sat on the Million Youth Media project, uh, platform that has loads of other amazing videos. And it just keeps accumulating views. Like every so often I just go back and be like, oh my God, we're on 2 million. Oh my days, like 3 million. Oh my gosh, like literally a couple of weeks ago, 4 million. So, you know, it's just, it's just unreal to know that you can create something on such a small budget with so much heart, so much intention, and it just gets scaled. I've had American, I've spoken internationally off the bat. Like it's crazy, bro. Like I, listen, obedience. <laughs> obedience, bro. Trust me. <laughs> you know yeah. what it's what what you said is amazing right because you followed you followed what was in your heart and you created from where you were at and that compounded eventually mm. which i guess is is a great testament to like do you know what 
you don't have to be at Javan or Purcell's level to just make your idea. Mm. Like, like it can start from wherever and it can travel through pursuing that. You might, you might end up bumping into a Giovanna Purcell or you might make the project and then it goes like wh- whichever way is whichever way. But I, I love that you were like, look, I didn't know. I just, I didn't know how to even like navigate this social media landscape, let alone making content. I was just, I need to make, get this idea out or I need to be in this space and I need to start somewhere. I love the fact that you started somewhere and it's ended up here. hundred percent, bro. Like I I remember the conversation we had that, that tipped it and made this happen is that Javan had just got the, the, the the job that I guess he's been doing for the last few years in America as as cyborg in doom patrol. And we were just so like, amazed and so proud of him and then it suddenly dawned on us that he's probably going to go to america and not come back and i remember sitting, i remember sitting in a meeting with him and percy and p was just like lads if we don't do this now it's not going to happen and i remember the next question i'm very solution focused and i said like what what do you need and he said we need a producer and i said what does a producer do and i did i'm someone that if i i've probably got a little bit of an addictive personality when it comes to putting my mind to doing something because mm-hmm. i'll just lock in and once I've locked in, like it's, it's like it's between me and, and the other person, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I just I just researched it, and he just said you need someone's like project management and bringing things together. And I do that. I've done that. I've done events. I've done network. Like I've done stuff, and I just used all of these skills that I didn't realize. And that's ultimately how I got into film. I've never made a film before, man. Mm-hmm. And brought the people together again a whole masterclass could be done on how we made this film and and all of the different things and elements that made it happen and so to then go on and now off the back of that have written and directed another film like I just can't I there's no like my route is not going to be everybody's route and I'm very blessed to be where I am and who I am and have seen the things that I've I've seen but I'm yeah I feel very blessed that off the back of that situation the film did so well and then it opened up doors for me to do other things and to do other things on a good level hopefully well not hopefully i always do things with excellence yeah. if i can so you know that's yeah man that's that's it i can't that's it man. I love it. <laughs> that's it. um so like and and you referenced this right transitioning from like a producing role to like write a director on save me yeah um what i guess why did you make that transition yeah I I didn't believe I could write Save Me. I think I said that when I when when we did when you came to the screening the other day. Mm. I didn't be, believe I could write or or direct Save Me. All I was gonna do is stay in my zone and I, in my lane and kind of produce it. When the when the Enfield Council came and said we want to make a film, I was gonna produce it. And even that was probably a stretch because I hadn't really ever done that for anybody else. Mm. But then lockdown happened and I'd I'd asked someone else to to write the script based on my my beats and my notes and it just wasn't landing the way I wanted it to and I think they just encouraged me and said why don't you try and write and I was like oh yeah but you know it's not really my thing I didn't really feel confident in doing it but then yeah again that that personality kicked in and I I, I bought loads of books books don't you know save the cat all of these different books like all of these books to do like screenwriting reached out to some of my people that I'd met you know like Ajani um uh obviously Percy and and, and and Javan and all of these different people that I just had been blessed to know and just said, I'm writing this thing. Can you guys give me some feedback? And again, 
it just it just it just happened like I just put the work in and then I decided I was going to direct it and I did some master classes and again spoke to other directors worked out what I needed to do read loads of books watched loads of interviews and then I was just like I'm going to try it and I think that the other person that was really com- like key and saved me was Ola Christian who runs Laville and Ola was again he's one of my brothers but I guess in the space of being in the industry was a mentor similar to how Javan was for me and Purcell was for me because he showed me how to navigate the space and he protected me as my EP and as my casting director. He protected me and he he helped me, gave me the tips before we went into rooms or before we went on set or if I was struggling, there was one day I was really just struggling with some pressure on like the final day of shooting and he just pulled me to the side and said, what do you need, bro? And I just, yeah, I, I'm completely, yeah, just blessed to have a network of, of love around me and and that that's a protected space it's not just any and anybody that can come around what we're doing but those that do it's love and we do stuff and we challenge and we grow and we move forward so that's what i've got man that's that's who we are i love that man this year this is this yeah yeah this is this is amazing (laughs) um so like your partners right in Mm -hmm. the other projects that you do they're no joke it's like upper echelon stuff we've got goldman sachs the home office ncs (laughs) like there are loads um and i wanted to know right like what do you feel is the main reason that the doors have been opened so widely for you Mm. who said the doors been open widely for me bro (laughs) no and you know what and this this is amazing because it could (laughs) it could Conceptions, but I, I'm just saying, like from the press to the partners that you have, it's it, yeah, it's it's a lot, man. It's, you know, I, pre- I appreciate that. Man. Do you know what? It's a relationship game, man. I'll be honest. It's a relationship game, and it's about delivering when you get that through ball. Listen, the reason why we talk about great strikers, if you want to use the football analogy, because mm-hmm. they score goals and they keep storing goals and they're prolific and you can rely on them to score in the times that you need it. And I just try and pride myself on being a great striker, a great teammate, you know, someone that is able to link up play if you want to use that football analogy and just get it done. And so I think that's who people want to work with. And so I wouldn't say that it's easy. It's not like I'm, again, using the football analogy, it's not like I'm getting call-ups to every single game and I still got to work hard in training and, and show my, 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 my my skill set and and show that I'm on it and you know still waiting for people to reply to emails but I'm 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 relentless with the pursuit of what I'm trying to do relentless with it you know the fortune is in the follow up I've got systems around me that enable me to follow up with people if I link you at a party or an event and you're like yeah here's my email I'm emailing you four or five times until we sit down because that's what I'm on that's how you have to be like no one's giving you anything Everyone's busy. Everyone's got priority, and nobody cares, bro. I'll be honest with you. Everyone, everyone's got priorities. Nobody cares. No one's waiting for your opportunity. No one's waiting for you to come and change their. It's not. They're not waiting. It's not that. And I think because I was in sales in property before, I realized that if you want it, you got to go and get it. If you want it, like the closing of a deal is the difference between me and my family eating. Like that's, you know, me and my family moving forward, my daughter being able to go to whatever school she wants to go to when she's older, my wife being able to, you know, have the freedom to do whatever she wants to do, me having time, like I've got to go and get that in the world. No one's waiting to give that to me. So yeah, I just, I I wouldn't say that the doors are open for me like that. I I go and 
you give me a shot, you give me an opportunity, you introduce me into the room, I make the most of that room. There's a clip on my Instagram where I interviewed, I, I met Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Um, and I knew that I was going to meet them because Lord Hastings is, our, is my patron and, and mentor and he was doing an event. But I prepared. Like success is when opportunity meets preparation, right? Mm-hmm. And I prepared. I knew I was going to meet them. I knew there was going to be a chance to ask questions. So I read the room and I, I looked for that perfect moment to ask the question. I was the first out of the gate, put my hand up, asked my question and asked for a picture. Whereas everyone else, they weren't really initially probably going to ask for pictures. But I said, I want a picture for my vision board so that when you're in my film, I can show you. Remember when we met in Parliament? Remember where we've come from? And that boldness is what essentially is is, is helped me to get to where I am now. So yeah, no one's, no one's waiting for me, man. Reputation is great, but lots of people talk about you. Not many people call you and say, hey, bro, here's an opportunity until you've compounded years and years and years and you're the go-to guy. But until then, I keep working. And even then, I'll still work, bro. You get me? So that's that's the mindset. No one cares. <laughs> oh, my days. I love that. That was just a motivational clip in itself. You know, wow, you the, the piano music behind it. <laughs> I love it. I, love I, it. Make, I, make, I make sure you put in the, 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 the Michael B. Jordan cliff as well, man. That's oh, the one. No, <laughs> what? I, I love that because it's true. And I love that correction of like, hold on, wait, have the doors been open? Because uh-huh. it's cool. There's favor, but you, you're, you're taking actions and the favor is following your, like you said, like it's in the follow-up. Pray like it's up to God and work like it's up to you. Enough people just, oh, Lord, like open the door. I always use the analogy and, and, and story of if I'm running for the train and I run late, I'm running late for the train and I've woken up late, my alarm's gone off late. Try and know I might leave my house without washing and brushing my teeth. Like not, not, I'm not saying this has happened in real life, but as, a, as an example, because yeah. if I need to get that train, man will have breath mints on the way to the station and doing what I need to do to fresh myself up. But I need to get that train. But then if I'm not doing everything in my power, I can't even access the fact that God might have slowed down the train and given me an extra 30 seconds. The amount of train, the amount of times I've just made the train because I've sprinted that last like hundred meters, just made it before the door shut and literally the door licked me on my head as I'm going through. Right. That's the praying like it's up to God and working like it's up to you. And that just is a constant thing. It's not coming to you. No one's waiting. It's not going to find you in your house. If you want it to happen, go out and get it. Simple. That's my, that's my mantra. That's how I move. I love that. I love that. Um, so, <laughs> um, given given like some of the spaces that you're in with like councils and government, etc., what do you think is like the biggest misconception um, about how to solve the issues we see with with people across the UK? Biggest misconception, I would probably say, is that lots of people try and blame young people. I think there's lots of things, but that's the thing that comes to mind straight away. Mm-hmm. lots of people try and blame young people yes we've all got choices but you know as I, as I always say when I do my talks like everyone everyone's got a, a, a set of cards that are given to them at the beginning of their life mm-hmm. and they're completely at random no child is asked to be born into poverty or be born into a household of abuse or be born into race 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 kind of yeah racist environments like to be born a set that like, they don't have those choices and so when we look at young people and we judge them and we over-criminalise them and, and we make it seem like they are completely to blame, you have to look at the context. You have to look at the trauma. You have to look at the adverse childhood experiences. And again, it's not to make excuses. Everyone has choices, but your choices feel a lot more limited when you've got all of those odds stacked against you. 
And when you start seeing people doing robberies or doing certain things or moving in a certain way, I don't think there's enough grace, enough love, enough enough empathy for the youth them, I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of people try and demonise them and ultimately they're growing up in, an, in, a, in a world and a, that we created as adults and then the adults before us created. So I think that's it. And also I think that, you know, someone someone highlighted to me before is that, you know, this, in, this is an industry right there's people that get funded millions billions of pounds to help solve youth crime and do interventions it's an industry so there's lots of people that come and act as if they've got the whole solution and so i would say the other thing to that is that this is a joint up approach we need to work with every single person every agency every stakeholder around young people including government including the police including parents including schools including the young people themselves including the industries like music games all of these things in order to make sure that the environment is set up for young people to thrive if it's not an authentic wraparound approach and joint up approach then we can't blame young people that fall through the cracks of one element of that thing it has to be a complete circle around them otherwise that one little hole in the fence is the thing that they'll find yep. and be like, oh, like, that looks interesting. And then before you know it, they're on a mad thing. So those are the two things, man. That's what I would say. I love that. That's, yeah, that's such a great analogy because it's not, I guess if we look at it statistically, it's not the majority of young people or people in society that are, that are committing the crimes, etc. But there is a minority and it's like, okay, what what are those Mm-hmm. those those cracks in terms of like a bottle that's leaking water 100%. you still got the majority of the water but there's some and yeah that's right. uh, most young people in the uk are law abiding citizens they go to college they get on with what they're doing i think the stats obviously when you're working out what the problem is you focus more on the on the the, the numbers of what's not working and that gets amplified but we yeah. don't celebrate the youths that are just getting on with it. That how many of us grew up in proximity to crime and violence or grew up with a mad thing in our house that didn't go down that way. There's mm-hmm. so many of us that made choices that we were going to be productive and we were going to change our lives. Like there's a saying that, or oh, there's a story again, and you know, I'm talking stories mm-hmm. and there's, there, there, there was these two siblings and they grew up with a, a, a mum that was on alcohol, like alcohol abuse. And mm-hmm. when they got older, one of the siblings became an alcoholic and the other sibling became a multimillionaire, successful family, very stable, etc. They did an interview and they said to the sibling, hey, like, you know, that was an alcoholic. Why did you become an alcoholic? Oh, my mum was an alcoholic. What did you expect? And they asked the person that had the family and the stability, why didn't you become an alcoholic? They said, my mum was an alcoholic. What did you expect? <laughs> So we have choices, right? And there's 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 things that we do, but yeah, man, we've got to we've got to give these kids grace, man, and we've got to work with them and make sure that they have as many opportunities to see different pathways, to try different things, and just to be children. Um, you know, we we adultify, especially black children, we adultify them. We kind of, you know, we just make them grow up so quick. But man, bring back the days where you know it's just it's just innocence, but we can't. The world's too broken for that, man. It's kids are growing up too quick nowadays, man. You know. I love that. I love that. Um, I've got one final question for yeah, yeah. you. Um, given the impact that you're making on on the world, on society, and and I mean that in a genuine way, like you can see just from the comments on 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 like your work and like your films, like people are actually making decisions um, based off of you know interacting 
with your content or let's say largely influence, you know, just that small mindset shift that can, you know, be a one degree change, but in the long term, it's like a thousand degrees because they they continue on that, right? What, What changes would you like to see in like the media in the future? Good question. In an ideal world, in an ideal world, I'd love for all content creators to have some kind of compass, if you want to call it moral compass, some kind of compass around what they're putting into the world and who's going to, and who's going to engage with that. Art is available for everybody. It should be, there shouldn't be filters on art. But I think there's some things that, especially young people are being able to consume really, really easily that they shouldn't. And I think because people are making money from it and because they're, um, they've made it, right and whatever and they've turned their life around they're then kind of profiled as role role models but yeah i just think i think when you're in that position especially if you if you have been raised in a particular way and have certain internal yeah reflections i think i think you you could probably work out that some of the stuff i'm saying or promoting is probably not best for this particular audience even though my label or my my studio or whatever wants me to make that i've probably got a duty of care to do something different um and i would also say we need new narratives you know i'm conscious that that i make at the moment i make films that are are about trauma and about um you know the pains that young people have but obviously all all the stuff that i do has got a call to action and it's about starting conversation i think we need narratives that are just about joy and are just about the other nuances of the black experience and the other perspectives that we don't always get to see i'm a massive fan of things like you know your top boys and your blue stories because of the narrative that they bring out in terms of they're, they're humanizing the man yeah. them you know yeah. what i'm saying they're humanizing it. it's not just the you know oh yeah we're just aggressive you're giving us backstory the challenge that you've got is that those types of things get pushed without a wraparound conversation and i don't think that's that's right to put those up because these are people's realities and, and there's a lot of people that live in proximity to it that want to emulate that because they think that that's the, the prevailing narrative but if you if you were to to structure those conversations and give people an opportunity to unpack it and be like right but actually do you want to end up like sully and the shame mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. no nah, not really all right cool so here's something else that you can do and I just think, and, and also if, if it's again, like, you know, I like, I love Belair. Belair, you know, I think is a great show of mm. black excellence. People that have gone on to, the, I mean, there's loads of shows. Belair yeah. is a great show for me. Family, my wife and kids, all of these things that we have the ability to create in our generation. It's not even like, oh, bring back those days. Like, go and create it. Go and create it. You know, there's enough people that have platform that have um, people watching to say, oh, what do you, what do you want to do next? these are the things that we should bring and then we as a community need to get behind it because they they, they commission things that sell and get viewership so that's what we need in media ah, amen i love it thank you so my pleasure, much bro. my bro um pleasure catching up with you and i love the work that you're doing and the heart behind it and thank yeah you. man we're here pushing and supporting you thank you and yeah big up yourself as well man i remember when you started and you know just to just the 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 intentionality behind what you're doing, you know, equally, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the, for the next decade and how it, you know, how the platform becomes a, a statement platform in the, in the industry 
you know, giving a particular perspective and asking the questions because, you know, we know, you know, I know a bit of the backstory and I know that it's easier not to do things like this, right? But you're pushing and I look forward to seeing it manifest into whatever you prayed for, my bro. Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you.